This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. Welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. How are you doing, Nick? Are you driving right now? I am driving. I'm driving myself crazy. All the above, absolutely, Bob. I've been on the road for, uh, I got to do some advanced calculus right here, my friend, which is not my strength. Um, okay. been on the road just, just under five hours, and I've got another six and a half to go. Okay. You're driving back to Ithaca? Driving back to Ithaca, man. I uh, stayed in northern Tennessee, uh, right at the border of southern Kentucky overnight. And that was good. It was kind of a quick turnaround. So made it 10 hours yesterday, and then today, going to take it the rest of the way up. Wow, that is that is good. Uh, hopefully you can make it um, without becoming even more insane. Correct, absolutely. Bob, what's new with you, my friend? How you doing? That's good. I, I actually came back to Ithaca as well. So I'm back uh, at school, um, getting ready for the semester, just preparing everything, cleaning my room. Um, so actually, you you know me as like a kind of kind of messy guy, right? So my, my room uh, is yeah, yeah. It's my my room's usually messy. So it's been the fourth day I've been at Ithaca, and so far my room's pretty clean. So I'm wow. pretty 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 proud yeah. of myself. Oh, what what what's that phrase they use? The calm before the storm? Oh, I I, I don't know. I I did my laundry yesterday, and I folded my laundry. Well, what? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, um, do you want to talk about anything, Nick? I have something in mind, um, but unless you want to share something first. Let's, I want to see where you take this, Bob. I'm sure I'll have uh, plenty to add uh, yeah, as so, usual, but I'm, I'm curious where you want to take this. Okay. Um, I was thinking a little bit more of an inspirational episode and more of an inspirational uh, kind of day today. It's it's That's a little true. bit... You know, we we have been talking a lot recently about uh, abandon ship, jump off, uh, remember not to f up, don't mess up, don't screw up. I think I think some inspiration might be uh, in store, so I like that plan, Bob. All right, so so I, I was listening to like a clip on YouTube, like a like a motivational clip from from Joe Rogan. Um, basically, yep. he has he has like a huge podcast as well, and basically what he said was. Um, wherever you're at right now, like wherever you're at in life right now, live your life as if you're in a movie and you're the hero or the star of the movie. So I really like that because he, Joe Rogan really like goes in to like talk about if your life is like super bad right now, just imagine like you're at the start of the movie. So usually when we watch like any sort of movie, there's always this hero's journey that the character always goes through for like character development. They always start out beginning like they're weak, they're they're poor or whatever, and then at the end of the movie they get the girl, they're they're strong, they kill the dragon or whatever. Um, and basically Joe Rogan talks about living your life as if you're in a movie and you're the hero, right? So everything you do, just imagine there's like a film crew um, documenting you, right? And and everything you do, you're you're doing it. Um, in a way that brings you to the end. Does that make sense? I like that, Bob. And and, he, and I've heard that before from him, but here's why I like that. How many of us, whether it's at a sports game or 
you know, a really good movie or a favorite show on TV, like, actually physically do or want to in our heads yell at the characters, like, why would you do that, you stupid da-da-da-da? And, you know, you're trying to control the movie from the comfort of your couch. And oftentimes we hesitate to try and take initiative and control our own lives. Because why? Because it takes effort, because we're the ones involved. But as soon as we take a step back and say, hey, this is, what if this was somebody else? What would I do? Boom. That's what you got to do. Yeah. So I think, um, I'm not sure if this, this is similar to what you're talking about, but um, I think when there's a lot of freedom or, or there's a lot of choice with what um, we can do, like what path we can take, um, it, it's a lot harder for us because we tend to just choose the path of least resistance. So, so yes, we're yes. Going, going back to what, what you were talking about, of you, you're trying to control somebody else's story while sitting at the sidelines, right? But then if you think to yourself, okay, what um, – what that person is doing um, that I should do. I don't know if that, that made sense. Um, and then you have that choice of doing it or not doing it. Absolutely. And Bob, they, they, this is a bit of a side tangent, um, but the human psychology of making decisions and choices fascinates me in that, you know, we have the same amount of anxiety about choosing between two really good choices as we do between choosing between two really crappy choices. And it's interesting how the magnitude of that is very, very similar, where we know that we'll be fine and good either way. But, yeah, we still have to buckle down and make that choice. And I think that sometimes it's, we've talked about this on previous episodes before about just what you got to do is you got to keep going straight, keep going straight forward, commit, and make it happen. I think also – I think something also important to realize is that, um, like, these are pretty – I don't want to say like your small decisions, but in reality, like I, I want to say like they don't really matter. Like at the end yeah. of the day, um, we spend all this time in the present moment stressing about it, figuring it out, and you're going to look back, and there are going to be a handful, a handful of decisions in your life where you look back and you say, "This decision impacted me greatly." If this decision, this moment, was a huge turning stone in my life. And that's going to be a handful, Bob. And the rest of them, you're going to forget about. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I, they I, just happen. They happen to be one little rudder, one little ripple in the stream of your life. Yeah. I think it's because we're so close to that ripple that it seems like a huge tsunami. Yes. Yeah, correct. Well, yes. Yeah. It, it is the that little ripple in the stream in the uh, and a little trickle down here is the, oh, my gosh, this is the most immediate in my face danger. That is use your metaphor, Bob, the lion in the room at that moment, not to realize that, you know, oh no, it uh, it, it blew me off course by half a degree, and uh, my life has been forever changed. No, not a chance. Yeah, I think, like you said, there, there's only a handful of moments that can you can really think back and say, like, that made my life great. But then on the other hand, um, like, for the other side of the coin, like, what made my life worse, I think things like that could be, like, like death, for example, right? Like something really serious. It's not like, oh, I failed a test. That's um, my life is for the worst now. Does that make sense? It does, Bob. I like I use the example of, you know, what makes my life worse? Huh. My life no more death. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, because death is, 
I mean, fortunately for me, I never experienced death of somebody immediately close to me. Um, okay, that makes more sense. I, for some reason, I registered that as like, Bob, I've never experienced death either. either. I've, never, I've never died been resurrected yet, um, but I'll, I'll let you know when that happens. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, like, if, if you die, right, that that's a serious mess up. Correct, well, although well, it, 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 could, it could also just be a side effect of life, too. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, it could be a side effect of life. Or, um, like, I think, like, the really important thing that really interrupt your life is, is something, like, extremely tragic and not the minute things, whereas, like, we talked about, the minute things can seem like super big things. Um, and then that just affects our mindset, which starts to build up. And then there's there's this big rock that just falls down and rolls down um, as all these minute things add together. Um, yeah, that, that's uh, that's where I want to talk about today. I'm sure we, we talked about it a little bit more. Bob, um, let, me, let me ask you a question. You're, you're the movie of Bob Chang's life right now. And, you know, businessman Bob Chang, healthcare Bob Chang. I'm curious what kind of movie. Are we talking about some big thing like a Wolf on Wall Street kind of thing? Or what kind of movie are you writing for your life right now? So, um, when there's, I'm not sure if you're really familiar with, uh, the heroes to journey. So basically that's, that's a, a movie structure that that's used in most of the popular movies. So for example, uh, cars, have you ever watched cars? Uh, the, the cartoon movie? No, I have not. Okay. So, so basically, um, here's like a general synopsis. I'm going to spoil the movie. Um, <laughs> Okay. So basically, there's there's this car, Lightning McQueen. He's this red car, and all his life he wanted to win the Piston Cup, which is basically the the trophy for the race for all cars, right? He he always wanted to to win this race. That uh that that is that was his main goal, right? Everybody was like, everybody watching the movie knows that uh, Lightning McQueen, the, the red car, wants to to win the Piston Cup, and he trains for it. He does all these things with his sole goal of winning that Piston Cup. But as the movie progresses, he makes friends, he, he talks to people, um, and there's a lot of character development that happens. So in, in the final moments of the race, um, as as Lightning McQueen, so as the red car is racing, right, um, he's like in first or second place. And all of a sudden, the, the previous winner of the Piston Cup, the previous winner of the race, all of a sudden his car flips over and it, like it, it breaks down. So Lightning McQueen, with, with all of his character development in the story, he decides that he should at least push the, the, the winner past the finish line because there was some character development. I'm like really butchering the story, but, but Okay. Um, well, it's still more than I knew because I didn't know the story at all. So I'm gonna keep rolling with you, Bob. Yeah, but but so at the end of the story, he didn't win the Piston Cup, but he he felt so much more fulfillment. He felt so much more happiness. And at the end of the day, somebody told him that that Piston Cup is just an empty cup, right? I don't know if that made any sense, but but that's the hero's two journey, right? It starts with a backstory of somebody that's very low. Um, so somebody that has like not much in their life, right? They don't have a lot of character development. They don't have a lot of things going on. 
Um, but then as the story progressed, as like you're you're the hero in your own movie, you start to have character development. You start to get passion. You you, uh, you start to develop passions. You start to develop uh, more and more things that matter to you. And then that's what the audience people like, right? It's like um, from you as a failure or from you as somebody that's been at a low point, reaching a high point. That's that's the hero's true journey, right? But that's, then so that's, that's your template for, you know, a, a inspiring, motivational movie script coming up. And that's kind of, you're using the car story as an example of one of many of those. Yeah, sure. Um, but but in the hero's journey, there's, there's many different parts, um, including like, so initially they hit a wall, right? They hit a wall, they lose hope. Um, they don't know if they can do it. Then they meet a mentor. And then after they, they meet a mentor, they, they realize that they can still go through everything they want to do and so on and so on. I, I'm really butchering this, this hero's two journey, but, but it's a really interesting topic um, that I encourage anybody that's interested um, that wants to learn about. But yes, but going back to your question, where what kind of movie am I trying to aim for? What kind of hero in my movie that I'm trying to aim for? Going back to what I talked about before, about just having a life of respect, of self-respect and fulfillment, that is the movie that I'm trying to aim for. Not, nothing really glamorous, nothing really shiny like The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, just something where I can respect myself at the end of the day, where I'm, when I'm on my deathbed and said, yep, I'm proud of what I did in my life. That's, that's what I'm trying to aim for. I like it. So I think for me is, is just to, to ask myself, will at the end of the day this make me proud? And I think that's that's what I'm trying to answer for myself at the moment. All right, Bob, I'm gonna keep pestering you because uh, you're my good friend and you can take it and you deserve to be uh, interrogated a little bit. And I mean that in a good way, not like you did something bad, but like you're doing great stuff in life and I want to push you and challenge you a little bit. What's the next wall? What's the next obstacle for you? I think right now, at this moment, I hit a wall. Um, so at the beginning, so last year, it was it was the start, right, for me. Well, throughout throughout the whole college experience, it was it was the start of me starting my journey of my hero's wall uh, or, yeah. or hero's journey. And now I think I hit a wall um, of will this actually happen? Like all these, I guess, mindset things that I need to work on in order to, to break through this wall um, of, oh, is this actually going to make me proud at the end of the day? Or is this actually just going to be another failure? Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. It's that deep internal question of, is what I'm doing, is that pathway really satisfying, fulfilling for me, or all the effort, hard work I'm putting in there, is it actually going to amount to anything? I think it's natural to have all those questions run through your head. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. I don't know if that answers your question, but that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Okay. So you're questioning, you're questioning. Yes. What's the, what's um, the answer? What's the answer to my question of, what's of the this? Is, your question? Yeah. If this is going to work or not? Yeah. Well, there's this saying that I would always, um, that I would always like listen to or, or believe. And the saying is that if you're not 
your number one supporter, then you already lost. Um, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. It's it's gonna work out at the end. Um, like we talked about in the past few months, I, I have jumped and ship off of some things. I have stopped doing stuff um, and pursued other stuff as well. For example, like working on my mom's queen acupuncture side of business and doing all those different things. So that's where I'm at. I, I don't know if that answered your question. Or if I'm being wishy-washy, if you could call me out, Nick, I don't know if I'm being wishy-washy or not. Um, I would say you are being wishy-washy, but you also answered my question. Um, I think that you're trying to figure out how to get out of the wishy-washiness yourself. Um, I like that we fell back on Bob about, you know, you being your biggest advocate because nobody's going to get up there. And, yeah, we might motivate each other once in a while and everything, but nobody's going to get up there and say, you need to do this, that, and the other thing. Nobody's going to believe in you more than you for at least a long period of time. We might have moments in our lives meant for us because we look up to that believe in ourselves more than we believe in ourselves for a temporary moment. But that's never going to last, and it should not last. It's a dangerous place to be, and if consistently people believe in us more than we believe in ourselves because that lack of care ourselves. Now, you're going to something you talked about where, hey, this is what I kind of fall back on. Something I've been falling back on recently is a kind of life motto mentality that I heard is as soon as you tell yourself, I'm only going to do this once, you've already screwed yourself over. You've already shot yourself in the foot. Because what that is saying, that self-message is saying is that this thing that I'm doing, I'm going to do it once and after that, it owns me. I don't own it. It owns me. And that's the message of defeat. That's the message of giving up. And, like, for me, I, I had that attitude for a while with that marathon I did. I'm like, huh, shit, I did a marathon. I have no desire to do that again. I said, that's, that's the one time thing in my life. But I've got to change my perspective. i got to change my attitude on that, Bob. It's, hey, I did the marathon. Did I love it? No. But that shit doesn't own me. And, well. you know, I went through all these other tough, challenging times. And my mentality is whether I end up doing it again or not is never to – that's a different choice. That's a different option. It's leaving the possibility out there. It's very different than saying I will never do this because that is extremely limiting and that's defining myself by the hardships around me. Wow. Wait, so let me ask you a little bit further. So how do you know when something owns you? So, so like you said – like you said, like I'm only I'm gonna only do this once. But but in other situations, how do you know when when the situation owns you? Good question, Bob. I'm not sure I have the answer to that. Um, or at least I'm not sure I have the simple answer to that. I'll put it that way. But for this example, if I say to my environment, I'm only doing this once, that is an act of submission. That is conceding to it. What that is saying the external world is anytime the situation comes up again, I'm backing down, I'm backing away. I'm staying clear, far from it. That's exactly what I was saying to myself in my world. And that's okay. not what so, I'm proud of. So it's it's this idea of you're you're gonna you're not gonna fully go at it head on. Again. Of of I will not even it's idea that I will when that situation comes up that I will not evaluate the circumstances. I will automatically fold. Okay. Automatically folding is different than huh, truly, 
truly see it or the opportunity at the hand of then maybe deciding to fold or maybe deciding to go forward to put in that chip to bet okay. on it. I, I really like that. I think I think that's a great analogy of, of when something owns you, you always you always just fold. You don't really it, look it, at the automatic reaction. It's an automatic response that that's how I know I'm not encouraged. Because if it's anything in the world, anything can be programmed to have a response and a given a stimulus and a given response to it. If my given response is always just fold, fold, fold on something, that doesn't that doesn't make me a man. That doesn't make me a a, a good person. That just makes me responsive in a way that I don't desire to be. Yeah, I think another thing to add to that is is every time you do something, um, even good or bad, it always trains your brain for that specific muscle. So, so in the brain, there are neural networks of, of doing something. So every time you, you throw a basketball to, to, the, to the hoop, your brain has these firing mechanisms um, that, that work together to, to shoot the ball. And it's the same thing, I, I, I think, with um, what you're talking about, like automatically folding. When, when you keep on doing that, your brain just automatically does it, and eventually it will translate into other things. So there's this law um, in, in neuro. So basic, I forgot what the law is exactly called, but basically nerves that fire together, wire together. That's exactly it, Bob. Hit the nail on the head, brother. So I, I don't know. I think it's called Hebb's Law or something. Something like that. But, but uh, All that is is some old doctor's name, and they'll, they'll probably be like Davis Law or something like that for some like uh, random thing that some young dude heard an old man Nick say one day in the future. But it's all about what's the actual principle, not who's it named after. Yeah, yeah, but but basically nerves that fire together wire wire together. So um, if you constantly use that that nerve, so if you constantly do that action, your nerves will will wire together and and that'll translate over to other things that you do. I don't that, know if I that explained that exact, properly. That is exactly and precisely how habits are formed. Every action you do, every movement you make, every breath you take. Yeah. So nerves are integrated in this deeply connecting molding network that forms our habits and that's how we change in our life our path of least resistance because the goal is not always just to start striking head on but the goal is to strike things head on until you don't need to anymore until what you've been doing in life those patterns of least resistance change where the patterns of least resistance in your life are ones that are beneficial to you and make good habits Bob I want to take you back to your basketball analogy and I want to ask you a question Okay. talking about your idea of neural networks and everything for basketball. We're doing so, an experiment here. We're going to say, okay, I'm going to shoot free throw. I'm going to shoot a free throw. I have two different groups. They're both going to shoot free throws. One, it's a research study. One group goes ahead and they train. They shoot free throw, free throw, free throw, free throw. They just keep going, shoot as many free throws as they can. That's their training. The other group is anywhere on the basketball court, and they shoot all these different random shots. They can do a couple free throws here and there. But they shoot from all over the place. When they, when both groups get back, which one is going to be better at shooting free throws? I want to. I don't know if this is a trick question, Nick, but I, I want to say the the free throw group. Okay, the group that just trained free throws. Why? So it, they're constantly training that motor pattern for free throws. Yes, you're wrong. I'm wrong. Okay, you're wrong. It is the group that adds variability, adaptability into their routine. Because
because it's not about, huh, can I do this one test from this one basket from this one height at one distance? It's about how can I modulate myself? How can I kind of make these changes in my brain to calibrate it? Because when we make a mistake, what our, what our brain perceives as a mistake, what we do is we calibrate. We say, okay, why was that a mistake? What's different? How can I adapt and change that? There's only a certain degree you're ever going to get for that if you're decent at free throw shooting is, huh, I was at this height, I, I was standing here, I was stationary, I moved my arm up, I shot a free throw, it either went in, it didn't, why did it go in, why didn't it, where did it hit? As soon as you shoot from all over the place, you have much more stimuli inputting into the brain to calibrate yourself better. And there's, they've actually done a true research study of this, and it showed that the people who actually went through this process they were actually the ones that were able to respond better and train better. So it is a point, okay. yes, nerves that fire together do wire together, but we have to have variability. And Bob, the reason I'm going off on this tangent is not to quit doing basketball. Um, I don't think surprised there. But to show that these bumps, these bumps, these rocks we have along the road, or these ripples of water in our stream that knocks the rudder off by half a degree that we think is a tsunami because it's in our face. Those little ripples, ripples of life are just like our variability in the basketball shooting different places. So I'm bringing it back full circle here, Bob. Those are the normal ebbs and flows of life that we have to train to be about. We're not just stationary beings in a stationary fixed world. Just like that burrito sits there and we train it over and over, we can't pretend that we're in isolation and vacuum in a perfect moment. We can't wait for the perfect moment. We have to go out there and get it, and to get and to get it out there is real life with real tribulation. Wow, that is great. I I like the general message. Um, I I love the general message, but but I, I want to ask a little bit more. So, was the study involved basically um, people that had basketball experience? Uh, it was not being ever played on a basketball team or anything like that and it was if it was basketball experience it was not very minor okay all right that, that's pretty interesting i i really like that I, I really liked how you connected everything about how life is just not we're not in this perfect vacuum um and sometimes especially when we're younger it, it might seem like we are um and but then in the real world in the real world it's never a perfect vacuum we're, we're always we always are hit with this variability and, and I love that analogy. Like that, that's a great analogy. And, Bob, the reason I brought that up was not to show that we can respond to variability or that, you know, we're able to. We know that. We know that we can for people. The reason I say that is it might be actually advantageous for us to have that variability in there and that we come out even stronger and even better and even more resilient. So it's just one thing to say, oh, we can do that, but it's, no, it's totally another thing to say we might be better off for having that natural index ability in there so we might be therefore better off resisting our urge to control and constrain everything in life so so nick i want to also go back to to the folding the cards analogy that that we talked about um yeah so so you mentioned how when you were running a marathon you you automatically folded the card um but then you tried you you did something to, to not fold the cards anymore to, to actually analyze what what your hand was and actually play a strategic move. So what was your process for that? So, well, I'll be completely transparent with you, Bob. Uh, at the time, it was not. It was, I finished my marathon, I did it, 
and after I was done, I told myself, huh, I never want to do that again. And I, I kept right. that in my mind. Um, but then after doing more reflecting on this concept, this idea, since I've heard it, um, I really want to integrate it to my life about this idea because I, I truly do subscribe to that of never say you'll do anything just once because don't don't fool yourself for your your limits. Don't preconceive your limits for closer than what they should be. I started thinking back on my life about where else, where in my life have I sold myself short? Where in my life have I folded prematurely? Where in my life have I said I'd never do that again? Um, and that was one of those areas that I thought of. So that, that's kind of why I brought it up there. And um, So am I going to run a marathon again? I certainly haven't signed up for one. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I'm not going to intentionally back down from it and say absolutely never. Yeah. I think um, another part with uh, all the all the things we've been talking about about like folding and things like that is is uncomfortable situations. For example, like yes. if if you if you always fold at uncomfortable situations, like you always say no to an uncomfortable situation, eventually there's this neural network. Um, that that will form of whenever you, you do see an uncomfortable situation, you just you just fold automatically. And we talked about this in the past, but it's it's, it's training that that muscle of I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm not. I'm just going to fold. So I think, but but the other side of the coin also applies of whenever you see an uncomfortable situation, you say yes. You're training that muscle to say yes. Yes, yes. And then when then there's an uncomfortable situation that occurs, you can really look at it and think to yourself, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? And not because you don't want to do it because you're just automatically folding and quitting, but you're having more reason and, and logic behind this emotional response to this uncomfortable situation. Absolutely, Bob. And it, it can come down to even, you know, if you're, thinking about it, and your automatic response doesn't have to be yes, but it can go from no to to maybe. It can go from, I can see that as a possibility for someone out there, and that eventually goes to, I can see that as a possibility for me out there, and that can be a maybe, and that can take you down the bridge if saying our yes is far too intimidating for you. You know, I, I really like this principle. I, I think I'm going to try to really force myself to think more about it when I'm in uncomfortable situations, it's trying to, to make decisions for myself. Um, and, and I know there's, there's this quote, basically, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. So I think me cleaning my room, that's something, like, I don't want to do. But then, again, like, like nerds that wire wild together, fire together, like, that can translate over to other things that may affect my life in a bigger way. Yeah, like, like, like when you like when you invite people to your room, they don't go run, hide, and scream. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's that's the that's one of the goals for me this year. There we go. Yeah. But, I, like, um, I like it, Bob. And it's um, you know, thinking about these concepts, these ideas. That I'm certainly not advocating for everybody to say, "Hey, every single opportunity out there, go take it head on." No, I'm not. I'm saying. Take the time to consider it for what it really is and actually consider it and don't give up on yourself before you have the chance. And I think that we'd all be surprised what we're actually capable of doing in these circumstances.
I think that's a, a perfect, great way to end off this episode, Nick. Absolutely, Bob. It's been a pleasure, as always. Thank you guys yeah. for joining us. It's been a wonderful episode of Manifest Mindset. And, Bob, got to put a shameless plug out there today at my 200th episode for my personal podcast. So thank you again, my friend, for encouraging me in the past. That's 200 days in a row of consistency, and I've been enjoying it. That is great. That is amazing. What was the name again? Simply Not Easy. Simply Not Easy. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Nick.